And time for Master Gardener. Master Gardener's Karen Wright and Barb Lampson. Good morning, Barb. Hey, it's hot, and you know what? I'm not looking forward to watering, but I've got to do it again. I felt so good when we had just, it was like a, a two-week respite almost when we had those rains that were well-timed, yes. and now it's back to watering. I've got empty water rain barrels again. Yes. Well, you know, I wanted to talk about water this morning because there's a big article in the local free press which talks about uh, what the condition of our lakes are in Minnesota. And oh, yes. So talk about the low water for part of it and yes. the blue-green algae. Yes. It, it says that uh, um, 52% of our lakes are at the normal level. 52%. That's not bad. Depends on where you're living. 40% are below normal level and eight percent believe it or not are above really and that's because they've they're living in areas where they've had too much rain okay that so, seems hard to imagine being where we are right yeah, now yeah but. yeah exactly we wish we had some of that and then they also talked about what uh, how this has been affected and of course with the um uh, high temperatures lack of rain drought conditions in some areas this has caused us to have poorer water quality so not only is are the lakes in some areas low but the water quality is low and some places where the where the lakes are at normal height they still have poor water quality because it's the, all the phosphorus that we have in our lakes and once it gets warm and it's low it causes those <clears throat> those blue green algaes just to burst i mean they just just yeah, thrive in that condition yeah. that that is exactly right karen so we have to talk about well where does that phosphorus come from and the number one thing that they list is it comes from the tiles that are draining into lakes and streams and get to um, uh, into our lakes, I should say, our creeks and streams and that there, and they get in. And so it comes from those farm tiles and our, that where it's getting in there and then coming in. And, and it comes from people's homes around the lakes who the don't. Urban, yes, and the urban, urban areas as sewage well. Sewage systems, yeah. Yes. And, and what I wanted to mention here was um, we can, this is where we come in. I mean, we're not farming, but we certainly are farming in our yards. And what we can do is um, anything that gets into our storm drains goes right down and gets in our Minnesota River. Right. And then that's where this algae then forms from all this phosphorus that's getting in there. So you... If you, with your grass, I still see this. People that mow and let the grass go to the outside and it gets on the street and then, or even in your driveway, then we do get some rain and then it's washed down. Oh, and the leaves too. I mean, I see people actually push it in the street because it's like they don't want it on their their lawns or something. But all that causes just the increase in phosphorus, grass clippings. uh, Well, and a lot of times if you, I mean, you walk after a, a lawn company has fertilized somebody's yard and they don't sweep it off the sidewalks they don't sweep it off the road you'll see those those uh, fertilizer pellets and that of course anytime you get a little water that all rushes directly down so i mean that's a big piece of it too so we there's a lot of things we can do and it's not too early to think about uh leaves falling as a matter of fact in my black backyard my flowering crab is losing some of its leaves right now well mine is because of japanese beetles but yeah okay and and that's stress or beetles or whatever so 
don't, if those things get on your driveway, sweep them up, you know, and, and put them into your compost pile. Absolutely. That is absolutely the best place for it. Do you know, I, you're talking about trees being stressed. I have seen clumps and clumps of sumac along the roads that have turned yellow. They are just yellow. Yeah. And you think, wow, is it fall already? No, they're just very, very stressed sure. trees. And so a lot sure. of those will lose their leaves too. And so if you're seeing some of that, that's probably why. Yeah. And you know, um, a lot of people, and I know you do this, Karen, they have daylilies and they have them close to the edge of the street. I have some there too. And they dry out faster. And it's a good idea when they start drying out, if you can, to kind of keep up with cutting off those brown sprouts that are sticking out. There's the spent flower stalk, right, the but then stalk. there's the, the regular blade that comes up. And that and it's much, much more appealing when you do that. Right, right. And and you don't want those going in the street down the drains no. either. So yes, I, I have those too. And, and lately it's been a lot of of, um, gr- I call it grooming uh, your plants because some of the leaves, like you said, are more dry and you takes are having time. Gro- takes time, you know. Yes. When you when you start thinking about, I have so much I have to do today, you know, <laughs> you have to prioritize and maybe that'll be the last thing. But if you do a little bit of it every single day, that's really great. You know, two things, Karen. Last Friday night, I was at the Wasika County Fair. Oh, yeah. And <clears throat> our garden club, we always have a display garden there. And this year, the theme was edible plants, okay. edible uh, leaves and things. And and that was really great. But what I was really impressed with in the open class, Dave and I were looking at the canning section, mm-hmm. and there were three champions. Oh. One was a champion of for dill pickles. One was a, got a champion for his beet pickles. And then there was a jar of strawberry rhubarb jelly. Oh, sounds And good. those were of three champions. And there was a picture of the entrant along with it. Oh, nice. They yep. were 16-year-old boys. Oh, my gosh. Now, that, that is really great. I, I said, you know, I think we're beginning to win here. Uh, more people are gardening. And if more guys are learning to preserve, make whether it's jellies or jams or pickles or or uh, salsa or whatever, or it young is. people in general. Yes, yes. But you know um, that has been more of a task where women have learned, girls have learned this from their mothers. But now if these guys are saying, "Hey, I love those." Well, you know. last year Grant entered uh, his applesauce that he had helped to. Yeah. can I guess you call it can right and yeah so so he did well last year with his his applesauce and, and that's great he'll he'll remember that the rest of his life you and know? it's something he loves because he eats it every single day so he's making and eating his own food and that's such a great thing next week at, for the Nicola County Fair which by the way the Nicola County Fair isn't till August but they have the food review and the performing arts next week. And so we're getting ready for that. So Blake is preparing what he's going to be cooking for that. Uh-huh. And the neat thing is, it's not just like you make some food, like, I don't know, pick, pick, a, pick, a, pick a thing, you make a cake or something. You um, make something and then you have to put it a menu together that's nutritionally uh-huh. balanced. And you talk about why this is important. Sure, and and sure. so it's really a great thing. And then the judge will ask them questions. And the also the cool thing they get to do is do their own place settings. So they get to pick the, the dishes and the napkins and things. And so it's really learning some skills that I mean, are practical for life, and I love that my, my son is interested, but I mean... Yeah, this is this is what I think is so interesting, too. And I think, maybe, this is just a guess, I think what might 
what might interest them is kind of the science involved. Right. For instance, this kid's pickles. I mean, he had garlic in there and he had dill in there. And I'll bet you his mother said, if you don't like my pickles the way I make them, here's the kettle. You do your own then. You know, that's the kind of thing my mom would say. Right. But I, but I think that that is so great to, to learn how to do that, to raise the vegetables and he, you know, he might marry some gal who's never ever heard of of canning before. You know, well, like Jeff married someone who doesn't know how to cook. So lucky for him, he yeah, lucky yeah. for me, he knows how to cook, yeah, right? There you go. <laughs> so yeah, so so it's a great thing, and you know, going to the fair and seeing some of the things that the the kids are doing and learning, it's great to see some of these things passed on because you know sure. you learned a lot of them from your grandma and your mother and me yes, too. Yes, exactly. It was expected of you to do that. You know, um, I worked at registration day which was Wednesday at the Blue Earth County Fair. And I had the 8 a.m. to 12 shift. And it was absolutely great. Um, It was peaceful and quiet. The the birds were chirping. It was just really nice. It was still cooler. And it was lovely to talk to the people that were bringing in their plants and things. And I have never registered or did this part of the fair before i have judged i have entered but this was something that was quite new to me and i was surprised to see that i would be dealing with 81 different lots for cut flowers just think of that 81 different things you know that well, are that's named, wonderful that you, and, and that's for flowers and for hostas there were 27 now is this open class Yes, this okay. is open class. So you didn't do the 4-H kids; they're a no, separate no, group. Yes. No, and then we had potted plants. We had 21 different things, and for each um, division, there'd always the last one would be um, any other that wasn't sure. wasn't listed. And then when you take them to the judge, you go by lot number. So <clears throat> they have a list of of people that have entered things and you go by it, number one and what's in that and then they look in that division and this is the only possible way that you could keep things straight and I thought you know if we can do this at the county fair I should at least be able to organize a system for my oh. home <laughs> I, I I was so delighted to find my old receipts for some daylilies that I had ordered. Oh, and that you know what they are. See, that's <clears> the <throat> thing. I'll find them because I've I've put them somewhere thinking, oh, I'll, I'll put these here now and then I'll have them and I'll make them, put them in a organize, organized book or something. Yes. And I never do. And then I changed my mind. I had a photo album and had the sticky pages and I was putting things in there. That was too cumbersome, so I changed my mind on that. I had a smaller kind of diary type book. I was using that. Then I changed my mind on that. Then I was clipping anything that had a picture so that if I, you know, I saw something in the garden, I would be able to identify it that way. Yeah. So I thought, you know, with all these lot numbers, this makes so much sense. I'm going to do a better job. So that's what I learned after entering uh, things for the four hours. And by the way, this past week, I was so delighted I was thinking long and hard about where I had uh, stored things over the years, and I found my uh, list for the 
daylilies that I'd added, an adorable tiger. This will be the first year. That's the name of it, or adorable tiger? It's adorable tiger. Okay. And the picture is totally unlike what it really looks like. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it. What do you mean, totally unlike? Is it well, it's, labeled wrong, or what are you saying? No, it, it says it has gold flowers with with red eyes and yellow green but the the red eyes are really rust colored so more of a, a yeah, it's, maroonish it's, or it's something it's a trick of the of the photographer i mean it, it, i know that is true and do you know there are uh, fake companies online you really have to be careful if you're a person who knows nothing about plants this happens a lot in these garden um, groups that that i'm involved mm-hmm. with Maybe you've seen these, but there will be hostas that have pink leaves and <laughs> and blue leaves. I mean, like literally blue, not just like the hosta blue, but we're talking like yeah, literally yeah. a blue sky blue and that kind of thing. And what it is, is there's these companies from China. They'll say, look at this is a pink, literally pink with white stripes. So it's a yeah. hosta, but it's been color alterated. And then they'll so buy the seeds. Um, so people order these seeds and they're seeds for something completely nothing to do with it it's it just it's a ripoff is what it is sure. and so there's been some people who plant these seeds and they grow and they don't even know what they are and that's a, such a dangerous thing because you can in, introduce um, invasive species we have no idea what they sure. are sure. but that is out there and people fall for that because they don't know any better if it's too good to be true talk yeah. to a master gardener talk to someone who knows their stuff because that is that is going on out there in fact one lady they said well why did you plant them and they said because i wanted to see what what grew from it because they yeah. obviously weren't hosta seeds in this case so you know on my husband's smartphone he has that function where you can put in the name of a plant mm-hmm. and you'll get a picture and that's more accurate than what these seed catalogs sure. are they, in some cases. Yeah. And I and I'm a photographer cuz you can saturate things and make yeah, them look a little yeah. different. And you know the thing is too Barb sometimes something can look a little different cuz maybe you grow it in more shade or more sun. Exactly. Exactly. And that is so true. And I should and I would have gotten a blooms last year and um the deer ate these. <laughs> I mean the, yeah. the, there I had the buds and everything right. and it's out by my mailbox. But this year, I have this awful-looking cages surrounding them, cages going over Pro- the top. To, to save them. Yeah. But it's it's a beautiful plant. I am happy that I know what it is now. And uh, then last week, we found uh, the name of your plant, which is El Desperado. We were glad to have that one. And then I've got, I also found the name of Wineberry. I have Wineberry Candy, which is very attractive, too. So I'm going to do a better job of organizing my all my labels and my descriptions, what year I put them in, and I'm going to make personal notes every year how well they're doing. Now, are you doing this in a notebook, or are you actually putting tags out? No, I'm, I'm going to do this in a notebook. Okay, because my sister... Um, has a label making machine and since I got her started in hosta now she's addicted sure. and and I have all these hostas with names but I've been put in the past I've used these wooden stakes and they rot off and they wear yeah, they off do. They so do. I've got these now I think I don't know if they're made of brass or copper or some yep. something that's supposed to be sturdier but if um, if you just use a marker they wear off as well so she's sure. doing the label she's got a label maker and I've seen other people with hostas have success with that so I wrote down all um, 100 names of the different varieties of hostas that oh, I have, yes, and yes. she has um, made the labels for all them, and now I just have to put them out by the, <clears throat> their parent plants. I do have um, uh, labels that I've made 
of, of recent things and things that I might forget the name of that I have to refer back to. And I use plastic and then I put it into a, into a wooden spike. That's not the best thing, but at least the plastic part. And if you use a, uh, um, a paint pen with a fine that point, helps. That, that then they, they don't wear off oh, okay. like they do with a grease marker or something That's like that. That's good to know. And you so, know, the thing is, we're talking about labeling these. If you want to label them, you can, because there's some people like, why do you label them? Well, I just want to know because I'm a plant right. geek, but some people just want to grow pretty plants. Right. And so I, I do it because, and you probably too, because people will come to your yard and say, well, oh, what is that? Because yes. I want one to like it. But you don't have to label them. It's just if no. you want to. No, and you know, some days, honestly, when I have so much on my mind, I can't remember the yes. name of that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it's I right know. on the tip of my tongue, right. but I can't remember it. So this is kind of a helper for me, too. Um, I will have to say, at the our demonstration garden on Glenwood Avenue, we are going to be trying um, several uh, markers th- over the winter to see which we like best. The one that we're looking at, it's I don't know how much it's going to cost, but it can't be cheap. It's on a metal stake, and it is a metal plate. Mm-hmm. It is big enough to have genus, species, common name, and in the corner... It has one of those ID markers. If you hit that with your smartphone, then it will take you right there. Oh, you can f- learn it, all about it right there. Y- yeah, okay. every one will be done like that. So one of those little things to scan. Yeah, so if if they hold up this winter, we have no problems, and we could go that way. If something else is better, we'll go that way. Well, there is that. A lot of people aren't aware that the Master Gardeners have that garden down on Glenwood, Glenwood uh, Avenue down there, and... It's um, it's got a lot of different varieties, but it hasn't really been labeled before. And I think that's what we're trying to do is because it's supposed to be there to educate people. And if you just see sure. a bunch of plants, you don't know what they are. It really doesn't sure. help you to sure. learn. And and we have labeled and we've used things that have not worked. They haven't worked. They haven't stayed. They've disappeared. They've they've gotten you know they deteriorated in the sun. So it isn't that we haven't been trying, but now we're willing to put our money where our mouth is and do something that's <laughs> going to be good. So we're trying several, and we're we're taking recommendations for other public gardens too. So uh, so we're, we're going on that, which is very, very exciting. I think we should talk about watering again. Um, you know, we are again having this prolonged dry period, and it's the heat that just keeps going. And this is a question I got, um, and I looked up the answer to it. Some people are getting blossoms on their tomatoes or beans and things, but they're not getting any fruits. Sure. And so one of the things, there was a discussion in the Master Gardener um, listserv discussions where they talked about how sometimes if you have over 70 degrees at night, they have trouble, uh, they, they actually fall off. And sure. so it's the, the excessive heat that might be causing some of that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. The stress. You know, at our uh, master gardener meeting on Monday night, we had a discussion about uh, someone had gotten a question about uh, this person used coffee grounds uh, around the base of her tomato plants, and she was wondering. Someone else had told her that she's going to be changing the soil, and it will become more acidic. Acidic. I'm sure. 
they, yeah. Because because of the coffee grounds. Well, that's not true. It would take a lot. It would take tons of coffee. Well, that's yeah. the same thing with pine needles. This is the one I see all the time that is mis, a myth online, is that you can't plant anything under a pine tree because it's too acidic and that's why the plants all die. It's not sure. true. It's probably because it's just too dry because sure. the tree takes all the, the moisture from the soil. Yeah. It's true that pine needles, when they're green, have acidity. When they're brown, they're pretty much neutral. Yeah. And and so while there may be a slight, slight, such a slight uptick in acidity, that is not why your things aren't growing. No, it's, no it's, that's exactly right. But that is so, that is such a myth that is perpetuated on and on and on. And, and you know, when you do are on some of these garden uh, groups, there's so much misinformation because, uh, and I always try and um, put science-based info on there. I'll put like a, a connection to like the Mass, uh, Minnesota or the Master Gardener extension links sure, to sure. give the right info. So that's, if you don't know, and you're looking at those sites and you say like, oh, well, I'm going to put coffee grounds. It'll be too acidic or I'll make it yeah. more acidic. Um, you know, that, and somebody says, yeah, that's what it does. Well, is it, what is it based on though? So you can always look to those sure. research-based sites. And I think that's so important. And, and we would always encourage people, uh, coffee grounds, including the filter, uh, they that's can go into your thing. compost pile. They're really great. Or if you don't have a compost pile, if you dig a trench and you can, you can put things in there, cover it up, uh, it will also break down in there. Yeah. So, and I've gone around when I get those, the, the table scraps and stuff. I'll take a and dig a hole somewhere that I've got, you know, maybe a space and I'll just bury it under there. Although I have had some rogue uh, seed things come up like tomatoes and things, you know, but yeah. um, but that just breaks down right in the soil there. Sure. And I was happy today when I came into the station, I was greeted by Shelly with a bag for my compost pile. She had onion greens and... Uh, now, I thought them. you weren't supposed to put onions in compost. Uh, onion greens? That you're just using the top. Oh, so that's okay. Okay. Yes, absolutely. There'd be no reason. One of the things that's difficult is things like eggshells. Yeah, takes, I have to. You have to clean and cr- I I clean them and crush them. Really. And you have to crush them really fine. It yeah. takes a long time for them to like break down. True. But uh, the tops of onions. Uh, well, some people use them. You know, to, you can you can use them in culinary purposes, uh, and you can also put them around plants. It. I wouldn't say that it actually keeps all the squirrels out, but sometimes they change their mind and they go someplace else. Because they don't like that smell, yeah, probably. Yeah. Or the, yeah. But you know what? The squirrels, I've had uh, uh, petunias in my garden for some time now, and they still want to get after and dig those really? out. Yeah, I have metal cans around them to keep them out. It's just uh, unbelievable. What is it that they find so attractive about things? Maybe it's just fun, Barb. Do you think? You know, I I think you might be right there. That because uh, they they certainly don't need the food. I mean, there's uh, ample food. Yeah. Well, they they get in the bird feeders. I mean, and they dig through there every single day. So I know they're not starving. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I have been harvesting things. I want to know what I can do with my excess dill i have so much dill barb i don't even know what to do with because it's all it's all come up from from its seed and i'm just going to cut it and throw it away otherwise no what should i do with it because they will take it at the food shelf oh they will they have people many cultures use dill they use the seeds or they use the the fronds the ferns so uh, other people will will the the seed 
they, they'll take it, they'll dry it, and they can use it later on. Okay. You can store it just in a jar. If you want, it, if you, want you can put the jar in the freezer. Um, should so, I just hi- dehydrate it, or what should I do? No, cut I, it I then... would take it on the long stem yeah. down there and give it to them. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, well, because it's some, one of those things I'm just like, I don't want it to go to seed now because I've already got plenty that's gone to I seed. I do, too. I, I absolutely love it. As a matter of fact, when I've been in the garden now this spring, as soon as the peas were making um, uh, pods, I would have a pea pod, eat that, and then I would have some of the young dill and I'd chew on that. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah I thought it was absolutely great, yes. Did you see the uh, the article in today's paper about the court hears about nuisance yard cases? I read that. Because I, we're always talking about planting... Yes. Um, well, like like my yard has a little more clover and things in it, and my yard's nice and green still sure. because sure. It, it, I just had on plain grass. It's all drying up. So I I guess I was just, you've read it. So what are your thoughts? Well, you know, um, if this is what I said right from the get-go. If you're going to try and write a policy, you have to be very sure that people understand what you're talking about, that it's not just one person's opinion then that this this is a nuisance. So be very specific. And this this case is uh, has been appealed by the owner. And this these are some of the issues that they're raising that it's just a bit um, ambiguous. And, and it's not well written. Because the, the council approved a new ordinance and it says allowing up to 30% of yards to be pollinator gardens. This is North Mankato or native planting areas. And so, you know, what what exactly is that? Yep. And, yep. and like you said, that's the expectation part of it. So um, we encourage that. But, yep. you know, like you said, you, you need to be understood. And if they would say, now, in every one of my gardens, there are plants that the pollinators love. Is this a pollinator garden or is this just a landscape garden? Oh. Really, what is this? You know. Sure. What, so if it they deem this as a landscape garden, then you know I could just I could do the whole yard. I'm sure. Yeah. You, you know. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. it, the, from the way it's written. So uh, it's interesting. Uh, it, so far as the grass goes, you know, I have a lot of clover too, and I have a lot of white clover. It's been blooming because we haven't mowed. And what we did was uh, around the beds of flowers, there's always a fringe right. that grows faster and higher. And so yesterday, David took the weed whacker and he went out and weed whacked around everything and it looks like we just mowed and in the center we have the white clover blooming i think it's rather attractive to tell you the truth so yeah right so it like you said that's something that's going to be continue to be debated we we encourage you to plant natives but make sure you understand what's you know and also i was going to say you know there's going to be a lot of sales on plants now oh yes if you bring home plants whether it's an annual or perennial um, be sure that you take time to improve the soil. You'll see that your soil wasn't nearly as nice and fluffy when we were getting moisture as it is now. No. And it may be clogging more together because of that. So be sure before you do anything else, you know, work in some really good compost. Right. And you can buy good compost <coughs> um, and, and make sure it's from a reliable source because, uh, you know, the jumping worm is a concern. So I always sure. buy it from some place that I know where they've heated it up enough to uh, kill jumping worms and cocoons and things. And and it, it doesn't have to be bought. This can be something that you've got going, right. in, you know, in your own pile there. Or, or you could have been making the soil uh, by adding 
uh, scraps and things uh, and leaves and things and then say, okay, now this 4 by 4 area, I have enriched it by adding all these things to it and now I'm going to plant in there. So that works too. Absolutely. Barb, it's always great to chat with you. Are uh, you going back to the fair again? Uh, no. Um, now <laughs> I am going to uh, stay close to home when it gets so hot and so humid. It's not my... I, the, well, the air is bad, and I know you've got <clears throat> asthma, so yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it gets much harder. And when you get into a smaller area where there's more bodies and more people and mechanical things, it gets even harder to breathe. Right. Well, so, you stay home and stay cool. I will. All right, thanks, Barb. Take Thank care. Thank you, Karen. Yep, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, our good friend Barb Lampson, Gardening with Barb and Karen. Hey, it's one minute past 10. You are listening to a Minnesota Morning on the